Hi there, my name is Josh and welcome to my podcast. I believe that anything worth doing is worth doing God's way. And at this podcast, we're going to learn how simply and practically we can apply God's ways to our everyday life. So I've shared with you the story about me joining the school of my dreams a couple of episodes ago. And in case you missed that, I'll just briefly summarize it as I included in today's story. A couple of years ago, when I was joining high school, I told you about my story about how I grew up with a couple of struggles going to school here and there. And at one point, just before I joined this school of my dreams, I was at home for about, I think, let's say about a year not maybe a couple of months or so to towards a year I was at home while I was waiting to transition into a new school. And so one time throughout my schooling days, I was really, really into sports, particularly football was my thing. Still is my thing, just don't play it um, today. But I was really good at it back then. And pretty much in every school that I was in from the time I was about year six, year seven, I was in pretty much every uh, school team, every school football team. And at one point, I was in a school called St. Austin's Academy. And in that school, we used to do inter-school sports. So I was really into sports um, throughout my schooling days. And um, pretty much from that time, all the time, till the time I cleared high school, I used to be in the school teams and used to play different schools. I thoroughly enjoyed playing football because it allowed me to experience different schools and different settings and different people um, from time to time would travel even out of uh, the county to go to schools outside. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that. At one particular time, I went to a school called Brayside High School. And um, I was a defender at the time. And I can never forget the day I went to that school. Because I don't know if you've ever felt this, but there are places that you go to, there are some people that you meet, some experiences that you have, and it just feels like home. It feels like this is exactly where you're supposed to be. Like, that's how I felt when I went to Brayside. Till this very day, I consider Brayside my school. I've gone to many schools from primary to high school, but if anybody asks me, what school did you go to? I always say Brayside High School. And so how I ended up joining Brayside was that when we came to school to play Brayside now when I was in St. Austin's, I remember being a defender and there's this particular football player called Korane. Cannot forget him. He was so talented, so skilled. He was a midfielder, I think a number seven, and he was so good at what he did. His dribbling was just out of this world. In, in this time, I grew up in the phase of uh, Ronaldinho. So skills and dribbling was really the in thing at the time. And this guy was a master at it. It felt like when he was playing, it was almost like he was floating in the air. And remember, I was a defender, so I felt the full force of his dribbling. So much so that at one point during the game, he floored three of us. Like three of us were on the floor because of his dribbling. And at that moment, on that floor, after being dribbled, I said, this is the school that I want to go to. If this is the quality of football, the quality of talent that is in this school, this is the school that I want to go to. And that's exactly what I did. I went to my dad and I told him, I really like this school. I hinted to him. I kind of impressed it upon him that I really would have liked to, to go to this school. And at some point, um, things didn't work out so well at St. Austin's. I was at home for a brief period because of school fees. And after that, while I'm waiting for the transition, at one point, my dad just 
came out to me one morning and told me, Josh, today we're going to go try out another school. We're going to start. I think he had been hinting before then that we were going to go do some interviews and all to try and look for a school. And so on this particular day, he told me that the next day we'll be going to a school. He didn't tell me which school. He just told me we're going to a school as I need to prepare to, for the interview. And so the next day, get in the car and we're driven all the way into the school. Now, Mind you, I'm familiar with the school. But at this particular point, it had been a while since I had come to Brayside. But when I got there, of course, you see the sign. You see the long, there's this long drive into the school that goes through some estate. And finally, you arrive at the gate of Brayside High School. And that was the school of my dreams. Long story short, I ended up passing um, the interview and I got into the school. Now, what was interesting that before I came to this school, an auntie of mine was working up to that point was still working in the school, particularly in the primary school. And at one point when I met with this auntie of mine in a family function, some time, time back before um, I did this interview, uh, she told me that there was a new student who had joined her school. And she said that this guy really looked like me. He told me that she came up to him. Remember, this is my aunt. <laughs> she knows me very well. But she saw this guy and said, uh, hi. She just went up to the guy and said, hi, Josh. Um, I didn't know if you joined Brayside Karibu. And, I, and the guy responded and said, no, my name is not Josh. My name is Alex. And so my aunt came and told me this story. And I heard of this Alex even before I came to Brayside. Well before I came to Brayside, I heard of this guy called Alex. Now, going to the school... Shortly after joining, during that first week, you know, when you join a school, especially a high school, there's usually that brief, awkward phase. Because when you just joined a school, you're new, you don't know who to hang out with, you don't know, you just feel awkward, you always feel like you're by yourself. And so in that weird, awkward phase where people don't know, didn't know who I am, I kept getting comments that I look like a guy called Alex. Every time I'm just saying, hey, you guys, there's a guy, it's called Alex. Now, Alex and I were not in the same class, in the same stream, but not in the same class. And so I kept being told, hey, you look like Alex. You look like Alex. Multiple people kept telling me you look like Alex. Up to this point, two, three days, I'm not seeing who this guy called Alex is. And at some point, I think for the first week or so, I was actually being called Alex. Guys are just like, you guys look so much like Alex and you don't know your name. So I just call you Alex. And so I was called Alex. So the first week of my time in Brayside, people were just calling me Alex. Eventually, we did meet to this guy called Alex. And the interesting thing is we became really, really good friends. We both liked uh, football. And till this day, we're actually still in contact. And it was interesting to see that, okay... Looking at it, I remember pulling him aside one time because he was also getting comments that he, you guy, you look like Joshua. Now I'm going to comment, you look like Alex. At one point, he said, Ah, you guy, but this is Josesco. Went to the mirror one time and said, You have to see, like, for real, do we? Because you'll always deny that you look like somebody until you just go to the mirror. And then it looks and like, Okay, maybe, maybe there's something there. But you're still in, you're still in denial. And so the purpose of this particular story was. It says that there are about two people in the world who look exactly like you. That's what science says. Two people in the globe who look exactly like you. And so it begs the question, in our spiritual lives, as we grow and as we move in this salvation, we know that when you come into Christ, we have brothers and we have sisters in Christ. Well, let's talk about my sister in the Lord, my brother-in-law in the Lord. And it begs the question, do we bear a family resemblance? So the mark in every family is the fact that there's usually a family resemblance. 
There's something that makes you look like your sibling, like your father, like your mother. There's something that if somebody looks at you and says, okay, you say that this is my sister, they'll point and say, okay, yeah, I can see it. I can see you guys really, really look alike. You have the same nose, same mouth, same same eyes. Maybe it's even in your voice. I, the other day I called up somebody to find out where they had reached. And when the phone was picked up, I thought it was her. Come to realize it was actually her sister. And they sounded exactly the same. I came and told that you and your sister sound exactly the same. They don't even look exactly the same, but they sound exactly the same. The mannerisms, the words they say, it just sounds exactly the same. And so that's the thing about a family resemblance. When you're in a family, there's something that is in the siblings, that is in the parents, that is just similar, that is identifiable, that will show that, okay, yes, you and you are related. And so in the family of Christ, I often wonder, do we have a family resemblance? Is there something between you and I that somebody would point at and say, yes, we are of Christ. We are of this family. There must be. Because one thing that we see in the scriptures is that God uses the foolish things to portray the things that are of wisdom, those great things. So he'll tell us to observe the ants. Give us the example of the ants and the things that are in the world, the examples that are in the worldly perspective to show an example, like a similitude of the things that are spiritual. And so if we in the physical are related and have a resemblance, then surely in the spiritual, there must be some kind of resemblance. There must be something that when we get into this family, when we are called born again that makes you and I have some kind of resemblance. And think about it. Have you ever had a situation whereby you're in an Uber or you're in church or you're just in a certain place and you may not know a person very, very well, but you feel like you know the person. You're strangers, you meet and you start to talk and you start to converse and you start to engage and it feels like you've known this person. This person doesn't feel like so much of a stranger. I've actually personally been in an Uber in multiple times. And during the ride, I would just sense that this person is a Christian. It would be based off maybe the music that they decided to play. It would be based off of just the, how they received me in the car, how we, the, that first interaction of how's your day, how are things going. That first interaction, there's some words that they will say that I'll know, okay, this guy, this guy must be a Christian. Just here saying, ah, all is well, I thank God. Thomas says, ah, you go and ask him, how's your day? How are things doing? How's business? I'm like, ah, look to Kosawa. And so there are those things that they will say, those small, small pointers in the things that they say that makes me realize, okay, this guy's part of the family. This is somebody. And it's been very interesting because I've had very, very wonderful conversations with people in Ubers and particularly with Christians. And at one point, I remember I was driving at home in an Uber coming from my mother's house. And this guy I started to engage with, I just had to ask him, so uh, which church do you go to? And he told me. And started having a conversation about the things of God, uh, talking about salvation, the beauty of salvation, how salvation is important to young people today. And it was so wonderful because from the time, that trip was about 20 to 25 minutes long, but we had such a wonderful time in the car. We had a literal fellowship in the car whereby you feel like the presence of God is actually in that car. And that's a beautiful thing to have. It's a beautiful thing to know that in this world where we are just passing by, where we are strangers in this land, to know that you're not alone, to know that you can go to Portugal, you can go to France, you can go to China, you can go to Australia, and you'll find somebody who is part of your family. It's beautiful to think that you can step into a new environment, a new job, a new school, and you find that you're not by yourself. 
it's 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 very comforting to find a family member in a strange land and that's what god intended for us to be family he intended for us to not be strangers on this land to not walk this journey by ourselves but instead to know that everywhere that we go we have family members who are ready to hold you up and you and i are brothers and we are sisters you and i are to look out for each other you and i are family we are to comfort one another when things get tough we are to hold each other's hands in this strange journey because we are strangers on this earth and it's a long journey when you walk it by yourself but when you know that you have people who love you when you know that there are people who are loved by one god who are the umbrella on the same playing level field of the love of god a beautiful thing. We all have that banner of love over us. We all have that identifiable mark over us that says that you and I are family. But let's focus a little bit about that resemblance because it can't be vague. It can't be something that will say that okay, yes, I'm a Christian, but there has to be something that is identifiable just like a, a natural family resemblance. It's something that when somebody looks at you, when somebody engages with you, they'll be able to tell okay, you are from this family. It has to be there. And looking at it into the scriptures, if you think about it, one of the first things that happened when you are born again, according to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, is that now you have the fruits of the spirit. What happens is the spirit of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit, comes into our hearts and it comes into our lives. That's the first thing. And he produces what we know of as the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit are primarily there to build the character of Christ in us. So we know that from Galatians 5:22 we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness and self-control. Those are all fruits of the spirit that are worked inside of us. When if we look at those fruits there, there are aspects that really work on our character. They work on the inside of us because in order for us to see change on the outside there has to be a change on the inside first there must be something that has to begin working inside of us that bears fruit on the outside because receiving Christ as our lord and savior is a seed sown in our hearts and eventually with time the fruits begin to bear the fruits become open for all to see but you see it has to be cultivated it has to be intentionally cultivated every fruit begins with a seed before you can actually see the fruit it has to be a seed but every seed requires cultivating it requires watering it requires intentionality before you actually see the fruit coming to be birthed and for us to see the fruit being open we have to first cultivate this seed inside our hearts and so that's exactly what happens at salvation that's exactly what happens at new birth we get this seed and now it's for you and I it is our responsibility to nurture this seed until it actually becomes a fully fledged fruit so for example you take self control every day we are tempted by one thing or another Well as long as on this earth there'll be something that will tempt us a temptation to lie a temptation to look at what does not belong to us is a temptation that we're faced with every day the beautiful thing is every time we say no to a temptation what has happened is we've built a muscle we've just built a self control muscle and we're getting stronger and stronger What are we doing? We are watering that seed of self-control. We are watering it until it starts to bear fruit in our lives, until it becomes open for all to see. We have gentleness, we have goodness. Everything about these fruits of the spirit will require some kind of intentionality to be cultivated. It requires some kind of intentionality to be cultivated until we see the fruits in our own lives. It doesn't just happen automatically. 
It doesn't just happen out of the blues. It requires a certain kind of effort by the help of the Holy Spirit to see these fruits in our own lives. And you see, when those fruits begin to bear, they begin to show, it will be evident to all that you are of the family of Jesus Christ. So the question is, are these fruits working in your own life? If somebody looks at you by your speech, by what you say, by how you move, by how gentle you are, by how good you are to people, by your self-control, will they question whether you're saved or not? I think about Peter. Peter was told by Jesus, when the cock crows, you are going to deny me three times. And Peter didn't believe it. He said, there's no way that's going to happen. I'm your right-hand man. There's no way I'm going to betray you. Absolutely no, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stick by you. When Jesus was now arrested, the plan wasn't... You know, when you have a friend and this friend has been telling you how he's going to set up a kingdom and you're going to be a part of that kingdom and you're going to be great in that kingdom, you, you start to picture some things. Especially if you look at your background and your background is not glamorous. And you start to see that this man who's doing miracles and speaking with so much conviction is saying that he's going to set up a kingdom and you're going to be a part of that kingdom. And then the plans change. Something happens and now your friend is arrested. He's taken away. It's natural for you to feel scared because you didn't expect it to end up this way. It's natural for you to feel disappointed. It's natural for you to feel scared. I mean, your friend has just been arrested. The one who claimed that he's going to set up this kingdom. He's been arrested. So what are they going to do to you? What will they do to you? What they're going to do to him? I mean, you've been hanging around him. He's now become very famous and people know that you've been with him. What's going to happen to you? That was Peter's dilemma, I can imagine. That was the disciples' dilemma, I can imagine, that after Jesus was arrested that evening, the disciples began to scatter. And Peter said, no, 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 I was, I was not with Jesus, not me. And after that, a uh, uh, short while later, a slave girl sees him and says, no, you are one of them. You, you are with Jesus. I'm sure that you are with Jesus. He says, no, uh-uh, not me. Uh-uh. Remember, he's scared. No way, no way. That's number two. And now, the scripture tells us in Matthew 26, verse 73, that a little later, Peter was by this fireplace. And the scripture tells us in Matthew 26, 73, that and a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. Remember by this time, news of Jesus' arrest has begun to spread. People know that the famous Jesus, infamous Jesus at this time, has been arrested. And so, I'm sure Peter and the disciples were hearing these murmurings all around. And in the midst of the murmuring, he appears. These people says, surely, it, it feels like at this point, these guys are in the middle of that conversation. Says, surely, you are also one of them for your speech betrays you. It's interesting that when you spend time with Jesus, you can't hide it. It's very evident who you've been spending time with. It's very evident that you are with him. When you spend time with fellowshipping with our Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, it is very evident. It, it impacts our lives. And it impacts us in such a way that sometimes it's unconscious. Sometimes we don't even notice that there's something happening in us. But just by being with him, it begins to affect our lives. You see, my friend, when it comes to salvation, you cannot spend time with Jesus and your life remains the same. You cannot spend time with Jesus and your speech is not affected. Somebody will know. Somebody has to know. There has to be a work that is worked in you by you spending time with the Holy Spirit. He'll work on your character. He'll work on your thoughts and he will work on your speech. 
And you see, when it comes to a speech, it's not just what we say, but it's also how we say things. There are those things that as we begin to spend time in Jesus, it affects our language. It affects the things that we can and cannot say. The things that are unpleasant to our father's ears cannot and should not come out of our mouths. The scripture tells us in James chapter 3 verse 8 to 10 that from the same mouth comes cursing and blessing. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it to cast men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. What James is telling us here is that we have to be mindful of the things that come out of our mouths. We have to be careful. And these things we know, we are aware of them. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, He's the one who can help tame our tongue. He's the one who's able to stop us in our tracks from saying the things that are of displeasure to our God, the things that would put a snare on our path by virtue of the things that we say. And I'll forget my Angelou saying that you need to be very careful of the things that are spoken in your home. You need to be very mindful of the words that are spoken in your presence. Because I remember she said that words are living, words are alive, words are things. When they are spoken, it can get in your house, it can get in your walls, it can get on your carpet, it can get on your clothes, and it can eventually get into you. What powerful words and what very, very true words. Because truly, words are powerful. And the things that we constantly say, to ourselves, the things that you constantly say about other people, they're living, they're powerful. It affects something. It does something and particularly does something to you. Even how we say it is very important. The things that we say, not just what we say, but even how we say the things that we say. We can be communicating something good. We can be communicating criticism or feedback to somebody, but how we say it will make somebody question whether or not you're a Christian because the scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 that let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. There should be grace in your words. They should be filled with love. Regardless of what you're saying, let your speech always be with grace. So my friend, my brother, my sister, you and I are family and you and I are supposed to bear family resemblance. We ought to ensure that the fruits of the Spirit, the spending time with Jesus affects every aspect of our lives. I can never forget watching this show that was being hosted by a popular personality here in our country. And the structure of the show was it was being hosted by her and a couple of other ladies. And at one point she was speaking during one of the episodes and she said, you know, I'm a Christian, by the way. And the other people are like, I decided to laugh. Like, you should, uh, you're a Christian. Is that the giggle? She's like, no, 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 I'm a Christian. She really had to defend herself and say, no, I'm a Christian. But what was interesting was the fact that those people who are seated on that table clearly had question marks about her salvation. They clearly saw something and knew something about her that made them question whether she was a Christian. It's almost like you saying, you know, I'm related to the president. And somebody will look at you and be like, mm, I don't think so. You, you guys don't look alike. The first thing they'll do is look at you and try to find that resemblance because they know how the president looks like and they know that you don't look like the president. That's in the same way people know how Christ looks like. Many people have an idea of how he looks like. It doesn't mean that there's an expectation to be perfect, but there's something that is in us that people will look at and say, indeed, you are a Christian. 
It's not about being perfect because even Peter, though his speech betrayed him, he was not perfect. He was far from perfect. The verse just after the one I've read, in that verse, he cast at them and he was angry and said, no, he denied Jesus. He denied Jesus publicly. So he was very imperfect, but there was still something in his character, in his speech that showed that he had been with Jesus. So the question I'm going to leave with you today is this. If they accused you of following Christ, would they find evidence? Would your speech betray you? That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to it all the way to the very end. As always, I'm grateful for your time and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Remember, you can reach out to me by the number that is in the description. You can also look out for me on my social media handles again in the description. I look forward to engaging with you. See you again next week. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this episode all the way to the very end. I'm very grateful for your time. If this touched you in any way, please feel free to share it with a friend. And if you'd like to take it a step further and contribute to this channel, you can look at the description that is in the bio to see different ways on how you can do so. See you next week. God bless.